WKNC 88.1. You guys are now tuned into Carolina Grown, our weekly local music talk show and music show and just a little bit of everything, basically. Um, this is Grant Golden, as always. I am joined uh, for the first hour, though, in the studio right now um, by Hank Smith and Lindsey Timms. I'm going to go ahead and let you guys introduce yourselves to Radio Land. Well, hello, Radio Land. Um, so, uh, basically, give everyone a rundown. You guys are in- involved. Hank, I know you're involved in a whole lot of stuff. Yes. Lindsay, a little less familiar with uh, your musical happenings, but I'm sure there's plenty going on based off of the talent that we heard on that previous track, which for those of you uh, that did not get privy to that, if you don't have uh, the the app that will show you everything that's happening, that track was called uh, Run the Numbers. That is from their upcoming instrumental bluegrass album. It's called Impulse. And we're going to be hearing a good bit from that this hour. So, yeah, kind of give a rundown of what you guys are involved in. I'm involved in, he's involved in as well. Um, That is true. And that includes uh, our duo thing that we just released Impulse with, um, The Morning After, which is a six-piece band. Uh, We also have The Blue Bop, which is a... Tribute to Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones, as well as Barefoot Manor, which sometimes also performs as Acoustic Manor. Um, and then occasionally we play with a band out of Wilmington called L-Shaped Lot. That's gaining some traction in the region as well. Um, is, is that it? Did I leave something out? No, I think that's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. Try so, to stay busy. Yeah, and staying busy. I mean, obviously, one of the busiest times... Around Raleigh, or at least I feel like I know a lot of people go crazy around Hopscotch time, but IBMA, a longer festival, and there's so much stuff going on. It's coming up next week for everyone that's not familiar with it, um, and you guys are going to be out there a couple times. Um, I know Thursday you guys are playing the, uh, I think it's the Bluegrass Ramble for the, yep, the afterwards. It's the after-hour showcase yeah. for the Bluegrass Ramble, that's right. Um, at the Poorhouse Music Hall, we're playing uh, an official after-hour showcase, I guess, with uh, the morning after and the Flectone tribute, and then following those two sets, there'll be an all-star jam of sorts. So we'll see what all-stars we can wrangle in. Who do you who do you want to see there, Lindsay? Who do you well, want to come? I'm not sure. You know, you gotta hope for some of the big guys. I'd like to see Sam Bush out there. That'd be Sam, nice. that would be cool. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna. I already asked Bela. Um, so. We'll see if he shows up. That'd be pretty cool. I said, there, you're under no obligation to sit in or anything, but it'd be cool. <laughs> but if you were there, I think a lot awesome. of people and, would and enjoy to it. to think about it, it'd be really pretty surreal because I've seen him play a million times and been in the audience to watch him play his music, and then if he shows up, he'll be in the audience watching me play his music, which is <laughs> really weird. <laughs> I can see how that would be a strange experience <laughs> but for But that's you. okay. It's all right. Yeah, exactly. Out, that'd be cool. So... In terms of the the Bela Fleck tribute, uh, which is really exciting to me because that was really one of the first acts of this kind of variety that I got really into. I feel like it's uh, Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones are, I feel like, just such a huge overarching act that covers so many different genres while still maintaining a traditional root feel. How long have you been doing the Fleck Tones tribute project? Um, it's been going a, a little less than a year. Our first gigs were in January, um, but it took us a year to work up all the material before that. So really two years, but one year of performing it. Um, so we do it in spurts, essentially. It's not a, a touring band. Right. We just play when when the situation arises and uh, we can get everybody together because our members live rather far afield. Some of them do. Um, saxophonist lives in Kentucky and our keyboard player lives in Asheville. Um, so it's kind of hard to put everybody together on a regular basis. Right. Um, there's seven of us in the band total to try to capture all the things. But um, 
at the same time, when we do do it, it's usually for, you know, stuff like this or whatever we can get, basically. Right. And it seems like how... So how much work did you guys have to put into this? Obviously, you know, it's been happening. <laughs> you said basically like the first year was, you know, just preparing Rehearsals. it, basically. Well, so Lindsay won't, he won't speak up for himself on this, but I'm going to have to brag on him a little bit. He can, he can hear anything in one time, just it seems, and play it. So it didn't take him as long to learn the material <laughs> as it did the rest of us. I had easier parts. Too. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. There's some, uh, some technical stuff going on on the bass, of course, and of Obviously, the banjo is pretty important. Right. Yeah, that was the thing, is it seems like uh, everyone in that band is really just ridiculously talented. So I'd imagine alone, you know, like grasping the parts and then getting comfortable with it. Do you guys sort of add any of your own spins to it, like extended? Well, further? sort of, kind of, yeah. There there are some liberties we take with it. Um, but we the, the, the idea is if you're going to have a Flectones tribute, you should nail it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, you shouldn't play around with it too much. And when, the stuff that we do when we do branch out a little bit is, uh, for example, one of their big their big hits was The Sinister Minister. Um, and so with that, when it comes time for uh, each of the members to take a solo, we change the genre of music. So, like, for example, there'll be a, a couple of jazz parts, a funk part, a bluegrass part, a salsa part, that kind of thing. And so each instrumentalist gets a chance to take a solo over those those things. So stuff like that. But... For the most part, we keep it pretty true to form, which awesome. is enough work in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, we're sticking to the roots, but it's still, you know, like, Bale Fleck and the Fleck Tones, which is crazy, it really, is crazy. like, like amorphous type of project that really, I feel like, doesn't, it can't really be defined. So, you know, it, it lends itself to having those crazy sorts of jams where you, like, bend genres together. It's, yeah. it's I don't, I saw them at Shakori Hills a while ago, yep. and it was just a very... Surreal experience, I guess, is the way I would it's pretty describe it. Yeah, like you, if you've never seen or heard it before, it's it's unexpected. It yeah. kind of catches you off guard <laughs> a little bit. And then it's sort of like at that point, the, the virtuosity is so high. It's like watching Chinese acrobats or something. Like, yeah, it's like they're like, putting on a clinic. It's like you yeah. kind of forget that it's like a show that's for fun. And you're just like, wow, these guys are really good and they're <laughs> they're doing everything like perfectly. Yeah. So hopefully we'll 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 get close to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems like you guys have put in plenty of work to make it happen. So it's something that's really exciting to check out. And also one of the big things is the Barefoot Manor show that's yep. going to be happening as well. That's right. We're I'm sure a lot of people that. are very very excited about that. Yep. We we got the band back together. Um, <laughs> it should be a lot of fun. Um, our again our sax player Myron from the Bluebot band was for years Barefoot Manor's more or less unofficial sixth man he always would hook up with us on the road if we were going out west uh, he lives in louisville so we would stop by there first on our way out to colorado kansas california wherever and uh pick him up for part of the tour and he would come down here a lot to play with us at festivals and stuff so he'll be in the mix which is good um the last time we got together i don't think he was there um Lindsay adds a whole new dimension to it on fiddle as well and uh it, it'll be a big time. It'll be a lot of fun. That's going to be a really fun show. Definitely. So what was the last time that Barefoot Manor had an official show together? Well, technically speaking, we did um, we did a surprise show for the Pickin' in the Plaza series. Um, Acoustic Manor was booked to be the last act of that series um, back in September or August, whenever the last... August, I guess. Yeah. Um, so... We we had a actually it was a logistic thing. Lindsay couldn't make the show, um, and at the last minute, our original drummer Jeff could make the show, so we put it together. And I told the Pinecone folks that put it on that morning that that's what we were going to do. 
and they were pretty thrilled and right. got the word out and and it was it was awesome. It was actually really cool. So that was that was the last time we got together with that. But before that, I guess it was I don't know. It's been about a year or so. I mean, it's been a while right. since we've done anything like that. So yeah, so I mean, that's it's exciting. I feel like IBMA really brings this huge energy to the area where it does. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people. I myself, you know, it. I don't think I really delved so deep into bluegrass before that weekend. It's. I feel like it's something that's really inviting and it's opening, and I'm really, really excited to talk about the effect that it. You, you guys feel like it has had on the local scene. Oh yeah. Um, but first, uh, you guys, you guys want to want to do a live track sure, for everyone? Yeah. So here's a, a tune off of uh, off of the Impulse album um, called Django's Dream, which was actually written for my dog. So, and if you listen real careful on the album, in the first twenty seconds, he barks, <laughs> but he does it on a beat, and you can't really tell unless you're listening for it. That's so training. That's He's obviously little, been paying attention <laughs> to those Bela Fleck. Luck. Yeah, exactly. It was total practices. Luck. Um, so yeah, there's your Easter egg for the album.
WKNC 88.1. You guys were just listening to some music from Barefoot Manor. That was Airplane. Before that, you heard Ellis Dyson and the Shambles with Sarah Lee. And before that was a live take on Django's Dream from Hank Smith and Lindsey Timms. Uh, before we jump back into the conversation with Hank and Lindsey, want to cover the fact that next week we're doing our Shikori special show, which I'm always really excited about. And um, Ellis Dyson and the Shambles will actually be in the studio for that, hopefully doing some full band performances as well. So that's going to be a really, really exciting bit that I'm definitely stoked on. And of course, Shakori. I mean, I think everyone awesome. yeah. everyone understands how exciting that is at this point. Um, but uh, there's something else coming up before Shakori, mm-hmm. uh, something big, and that is the International Bluegrass Music Association's festival. That's right. That is a mouthful, but it is exciting, and they're going to be in Raleigh for a while now. I believe like the yep. next four or five years. 2018. Man. And then after that, they have the option to renew the lease further. So Right. And so last year was the first year that they came to Raleigh. It was yep. a huge ordeal. Um, <laughs> like Steve Martin playing at Red Hat. Yep. Like that's, you don't it's get crazy. more exciting than that. Like it's great. So uh, I know obviously, you know, it brought huge amounts of revenue and people into Raleigh. But I think there was obviously a lot deeper of an impact that it had. Um, like I feel like it was making waves throughout the local music scene, you know? It's true. It. It brought a lot of the venues together again. I mean, Hopscotch does it as well, but it's yep. in a different facet, really. Like, well, they, they modeled the IBMA Ramble stuff after Hopscotch, right? Like all of that is and SparkCon and all that stuff. So they, it's related to it, and it, it fits right in with all the other stuff that goes on in September and and whatnot. So it's good that you know we can diversify our audience, I guess. And uh, and yeah, like you said, it, it's pretty exciting to have all that here. Um, I had been to the IBMAs in Nashville a few times, and uh, you know it was it was okay, but now it's it's pretty amazing because they open up all the venues downtown, and uh, they have this bluegrass ramble thing, which is essentially a chance for you to to do a hopscotch like situation where you go from venue to venue to check out all the different acts, and there's a million different bluegrass right. bands playing, so you can kind of plan your schedule out and whatnot, and uh, it's had a huge impact on the community. The bluegrass scene around here has exploded. Um, really before that, and, and one of the things that helped bring IBMA to Raleigh in the first place was the huge support of the local bluegrass community. Everybody sort of helps everybody else out. You know, it's a it's a really good thing to have in town. Definitely. And, I, you know, obviously North Carolina has a lot of, like, rich history with bluegrass. There's a lot of really, really established artists that have come from around North Carolina. And, yep. you know, like... Getting to see folks like that playing here, like, I think one of my favorite memories is, you know, it's like one of those huge parallels between the Hopscotch experience and the IBMA experience was, you know, at Hopscotch, you're likely to see, like, some random, like, cross-punk kids walking down the street, like, (laughs) hammered, but I was at a Del McCory show on a Thursday night surrounded by people of all ages, and, you know, that's not really something you get at other festivals. Oh, it's it's great. You know, I mean, the the audience has diversified a lot in recent years, and one of the the internal things that goes on within the IBMAs uh, now is the the struggle between the old ways of doing things and the new way of doing things and the new influence that the younger generation brings into bluegrass because... You know, the old timers will say, well, that ain't bluegrass. You know what I mean? If it's got a drum yeah. in it, you know what I'm saying? But now it's like, well, actually, it could be considered bluegrass at this point because a lot of people are accepting that as bluegrass. So I think it's good to evolve with the times, and Raleigh certainly introduced it to a much different, younger audience, Definitely. which is awesome. Yeah, it's it's always nice to get to see, you know, a bunch of people early 20s, even teenagers running around yeah. downtown on the weekend checking out a bunch of bluegrass music it's outside. It's fun for the whole family, I tell it, you. It, yeah, it really is. <laughs> Everyone can get something out of it. It's really cool. And I like that you mentioned 
you know I kind of like the dichotomy between the traditional bluegrass and the new style because yep. I feel like there's a lot I feel like in a lot of the people now that are getting you know a lot of attention from it are the people that can successfully bridge that gap that's true what do you think it is that particularly gets people interested from all ages because i feel like there is it's kind of difficult for some younger folks to get into traditional bluegrass probably if it's not something they've heard before well i'd say you know just the way that bluegrass has expanded over the years having spent many of my years in raleigh um i've moved around a little bit but i've uh, i grew up here and kind of got to see bluegrass come on and even downtown raleigh come on right. a lot stronger than it used to be you know there's a uh, I remember there being about two places you could play in downtown Raleigh when I was a young kid, but now it's, you know, there's a million places to play. Um, but you have a lot of influence from other genres and stuff. Whereas, you know, traditional bluegrass can, as great as it is, can be very similar sounding one song to the next. And I think that can turn off some of the younger crowd. But, uh, these days we're getting a lot more innovation and it's, you know, it's accepted by most of the bluegrass crowd. So it's just, it's growing and there's a lot of people involved and, I think it's a good thing. Definitely. And I feel like, too, with a lot of the traditional bluegrass, there's got to be, like, a level of appreciation there. Because, like you said, sometimes it can can sound similar, but they're still putting on, like, really impressive performances. Oh, exactly. I mean, you got to, you know, you want to honor the the tradition, honor the original sound, but also understand that you can innovate as well. I mean, the, the heroes of bluegrass music, Flat and Scruggs and Bill Monroe were all innovators in their own right and were essentially rock stars for doing so. And... You know, that's, I think that's something that gets forgotten is that, you know, yeah, that's what's considered traditional bluegrass at this point, but at the time it was completely, exactly you know, innovative and no one had heard anything like that before. So why not carry on the tradition in that sense and just keep innovating? Definitely. And uh, one of the things I feel like we can easily kind of segue here is, you know, like <laughs> you guys have this instrumental bluegrass duo album where you have you've got like an Icelandic song up here, <laughs> like, which we're going to hear after this little bit. So everyone that's interested after that little segment, well, you'll get your taste. But like, so what I'm interested in knowing how, like how, what sparked the decision for you guys to just do this instrumental duo album? Well, we, you know, honestly, like, I think that you could probably weigh in pretty hard on this too, Lindsay. We, a lot of stuff comes out in the bluegrass world that, doesn't necessarily satisfy the the Jones that you you get when you see a, an acoustic Bela Fleck or Sam Bush, Tony Rice, Brian Sutton, um, Jerry Douglas kind of thing, where those guys are all virtuosos of their instruments and can really just go nuts. And the albums that they those guys produced were instrumental albums a lot in the in the '90s and uh, early 2000s. And and we I think we just wanted to continue on the tradition and and keep pushing forward with that style of music it's the style of music that we like to listen to so it's a reflection of that and and the other things that influence us musically i guess the uh the icelandic tune i suppose is well we needed a fine gospel number for the <laughs> album and uh we so went 800 it, years <laughs> 800 yeah. years ago to iceland because <laughs> why not and uh with this you want to get traditional let's get traditional, let's get traditional. Why not? that's right yeah. we're gonna get so traditional we're gonna get medieval on it and that's what happened <laughs> We're going so far forward, we're in the past. but That's deep. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so deep. Um, so, I, actually, what happened was I heard this thing on the internet. It went around Facebook for a while of this singing group in a train station in Germany singing this tune. Um, the name of the tune is Herr Hymna Smither. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. So, if you're listening in Iceland, please call the radio station <laughs> and tell me how to say it correctly. 
but it's a, apparently a tune that all Icelanders know. It's like their Amazing Grace, essentially. Um, and the singing group is is doing an acapella, obviously, and it's all very medieval sounding. And it, the tune just struck me. I thought it was beautiful, so I learned how to play it because that's how I process stuff. Right. And then was like, you know what? We should do this. Um, let's make it into kind of a Celtic sounding thing because that'll be more cohesive with the rest of the record. And and we just sort of, I mean, it was like spur of the moment kind of, yeah, it was kind of thing. So yeah. So which, how much? Uh planning went into this album like how and like how did the writing pan out like when you came together and like hey this song i think that we should record for this was how much of it was fleshed out versus how much did you guys kind of collaborate on um well most of the material uh most of it's written by hank on the album i have one song that i wrote on there but um what i kind of provided to it is just the fact that i'm playing all the stuff except the banjo, right? right. So yeah. you get that aspect. Awesome. So it's kind of my my what my brain hears as far as textures and layers under the melodies that Hank came up with for these things. Um, but you know, it, it wasn't super planned. It was uh, no, it, it was the kind of the the album title fits the you know the whole idea. It was on an impulse almost. We wanted something that showed what we do really you know yeah. just right now as a, a picture a snapshot of what we're doing right now pretty much and we and knocked it, it out quick you know five yeah. days actually yeah. is how long it took awesome. to do that and we did Never it in the living room so fast, yeah it was pretty cool um it was whirlwind because the morning after record took two years to make and it took five years or five days to make um yeah a lot of the tunes were old well not a lot of them but some of them are i've been sitting on for a while and just haven't had an outlet to play them and um you know like you said we wanted to have something out that reflects what we do but also have it out in time for IBMA. So that's why it was kind of a, a rush to put it out. Right. You know, we, we had all this stuff. It doesn't take us long to come up with stuff. Um, and plus, there's only two of us as opposed to six or seven. So rehearsing songs is pretty easy. I'll record something on my iPhone and send it to him, and then he'll learn parts and that kind of thing. He actually, um, there, his contribution to the album is a tune called Frantic, which you wrote on the computer, right? Yeah, that's when I, I scored it all out uh, without having played it, so it was a, a, <laughs> yeah. quite a challenge, both for me and for Hank, because yeah. the part that I had for him, the main you know melody, is not it's not, not banjo easy. conducive, and it's not yeah, it's not yeah. meant for banjo, <laughs> but none of it was meant for any particular for instrument, yeah, exactly. so that right. kind of made that song interesting. Uh, learning it on on a physical <laughs> instrument, yeah, instead definitely. of just looking at a score and writing that way. Yeah, so, yeah. awesome, and it's you know. I heard it, and I wanted to think that it was all very impulsive, but I know sometimes people can really effortlessly, like, write these things in. But it seems like there is, like, a lot of natural kind of ebb and flow between you two and your plan. Like, right. there's there a lot of awesome counterplay going on. You know, it seems like you guys really feed off of each other. And yes. it shows within the studio as well as, you know, like, these live performances. Yes. I mean, we, we're cut from the same cloth when it comes to that. We're, we think alike, I guess musically speaking yeah. so it makes sense to be able to do something like this and and since Lindsay can play any instrument we could pull, make any album yeah really. <laughs> i mean like this was a bluegrass album the next one might be i don't know a hungarian jazz odyssey Who it's knows? gotta be something it's jazz something right? interesting yeah but not just well let's jazz. let's yeah. hope for that hungarian jazz odyssey <laughs> um right now though we're gonna take a brief break from conversation so that we can hear some more music from this we're going to hear that uh the icelandic gospel yes. track which i don't want to attempt Lo loosely, to pronounce. loosely defined as gospel yes <laughs> medieval church music yes exactly hair, hair hymna smither 
Yes, and after that, we are going to hear some new music from Morning After as well, which I'm very, very excited to check out, and I'm sure everyone else is as well. And then we're going to jump back into some more conversation with Hank Smith and Lindsey Timms right here on Carolina Grown on WKNC 88.1.
WKNC 88.1. You guys were just listening to some new music from the morning after. That was Many Miles. That is from a forthcoming album. It's coming out like next week or so, We should have them in hand. Yeah, we should have them in hand any day now, but October 1st is the official release date. Awesome. And before that was that wonderful Icelandic tune. Yes. Um, I'm still not gonna try it it's like when i try to pronounce the Seeger ross songs it just it, <laughs> that's right it sounds like someone that just doesn't know just what made it up. he's doing <laughs> but um yeah so we're gonna tackle a little bit more conversation here uh before we jump into one last live studio track yep um but morning after so as you mentioned it has been like two years since we had an album yep um so you guys have obviously been hard at work yes on this forthcoming release so what what all has gone behind this like what i understand obviously you know writing music is an extensive process but like what what were the steps that you guys were taking in making this album well it was it was it was tough there was um, a lot of upheaval and change in our personal and professional lives that happened um while the the making of this album uh, occurred and uh we use that as ammo essentially to to write the songs and to arrange and that kind of thing. We also worked with a producer for the first time, Justin Robinson, awesome. Grammy Award winning producer. Justin that is Robinson, awesome. Formerly of the Chocolate Drops, um, produced the record and it was engineered by Tom Canova, who engineers all of the old ceremony stuff out in Studio M in Durham. And uh, we just had a really great chemistry. I guess we like those guys so much we made it last as long as we could. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Um, yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, it just, it took a while to get it the way we wanted to sound it. We knew that when we went into this album, we wanted it to sound like the way we wanted it to with no compromises this time. And it right. just happened to take a long time to do that. So there was a lot of shows and touring and stuff like that that had to happen. You know, we've done a lot of gigs in the meantime to both help fund it and try to work some of these songs out live. Um, and, uh, you know, on the road, sometimes the road can be kind of hard when we're out there. And and Lindsay's got a, a specific remedy for <laughs> his experiences out there he's going to tell you about real quick. The uh, Well, yeah, I guess Mike and I, Mike is the drummer in the morning after. But I forget where we were going. It was probably toward the mountains on one of our morning after trips. And uh, But we passed a place, a, a billboard that just made me figure, you know, the perfect pre-show you know, thing to whet your appetite is going to be a steak and three whiskeys. Uh, Specifically three. Three, no more, no less. Uh, I think that's the important thing to note. But, um, that's right. But, but that, that's kind of become a, you know, a favorite road idea. I guess only one time, one time. Ha- <laughs> have I actually succeeded in a having and three a, a steak and three whiskeys. It was a glorious yes. moment. It was beautiful. It was. Beautiful. It was. Uh, a, I'd Ang- imagine Angus barn steak. Yeah. At so that, not so. just any steak. You know, we're not talking about the sizzler here. It's a heck of a steak there. <laughs> this is the uh, Petro Express. <laughs> it's the realness. But yeah, it's, it just kind of became something that we talk about now. So <laughs> the mantra of the morning after. Hopefully, you can get yourself some steak and whiskey out of IBMA next week. I don't know. You never know. Yeah, you never. Yeah, know. I mean, you can never tell There's what's going to happen out where there. You can acquire both. Yeah. <laughs> And it seems like the t- everyone would be down with it. I mean, yeah, who I wouldn't so. be down with that? That's good. Listen to some bluegrass, some steak, some whiskey. <laughs> right. I don't know. See where the night takes All you. All goes together. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, I guess, what? how do you feel like there's been any like thematic or musical changes within the morning after between the last project and this one? Oh, it's a lot darker, <laughs> for one thing. Um, a lot more developed. There's a lot more singing. All of the things that we were before were a lot more in this one. And it, there's a definite, like, as Justin would say, shimmering darkness to it. Um, that's that's kind of it. There's some granted. There's some moments of levity and stuff like that, in right? Because we do have a, a pretty ridiculous sense of humor as a band. But at the same time, like we 
again, like of all the stuff that was going on with us as as a as a group and interpersonally and all that stuff, um, it sort of fed into it. Um, and so I think we came away with a really great record that we can all be proud of. And I think that the people will like it. It's definitely different. I don't know how to describe it as such. Um, so we may lean on you guys to help us <laughs> put a label on it. <laughs> we know what, where you'd file it under on the racks. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll do our best. Local, I'm sure local yeah. band. Hopefully local. Yeah. Hopefully we don't make it anywhere into chainsaw territory. <laughs> with no, this I don't one. think it's that hard yet. 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 Keyword yet. <laughs> I don't know. You may throw in some Icelandic influence. You never know. I mean, it could happen. You, you know, know the direction it's going to go. a steak and three whiskeys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, things can change a lot after a steak and three whiskeys. Yeah, they they certainly often do. Yeah, it's a turning point. <laughs> yeah. So one thing, seeing your schedule for IBMA, this Thursday, like, you guys got a lot going on. You got Morning After, yeah. you got the Flectones tribute, you got yep. the All-Star Jam. Yep. How, like, how taxing is that well, to the, do that? All? The running joke is that IBMA doesn't stand for International Bluegrass Music Association. It stands for I've been mostly awake. <laughs> so that's how that works. I mean, you pretty much just, it's like hopscotch. You just soak it up. But there's so, I think there's even in some ways more going on because if you wade into the, and I encourage you to do this and everyone out there, wade into the Marriott Hotel on Friday yeah. and Saturday night and hit the upper floors, you're going to see the real the real deal jams and all that stuff happens up there it's pretty it's pretty intense and so you don't want to miss anything so you're just up all night all the time yeah so i remember i believe indie week did the piece where grayson yep. went out and I saw was, like the bela after i was show. sitting right next to him for that one in fact that it was, was grayson awesome. that prodded me to tell bela about it in the first place and handed him a flyer and bela looked at the flyer and said oh so you're the guy i was like oh you already know about it that's good <laughs> So it was cool. He's been very supportive through the whole thing. I've been in contact with him some, and uh, he's he's been really cool about it, and he's very encouraging and all that. So it's pretty sweet. Awesome. I would be flattered too if I had a me cover band. If there's a Hank and Lindsay <laughs> cover band out there, tribute band, excuse Somewhere me. Somewhere out there. I don't want to say cover band. That sounds bad. <laughs> yeah, true. It seems it seems like it's more like you guys are taking your own liberties. Obviously. Yeah. Well, it's a true. I mean, we just want to honor the music. This is exactly. stuff that's been so influential and so it's so powerful. You know, to be able to do that and just sort of pay homage to, you know, one of the great masters of the of the craft is pretty cool. Definitely. So, wrapping things up, got about 10 minutes left here in this first hour. You guys want to throw another another live in-studio take for everyone? Sure. I guess the uh, the only bass we haven't covered yet is um, the Flectones stuff. So, we'll do a, we'll a Bale Fleck tune here. Awesome. As soon as Lindsay gets his fiddle ready, this is one that he did with Newgrass Revival and then later rebooted for the Flectones, um, and it is on the Live Art album, and it's called Bigfoot.
awesome. <laughs> that is all I have to say about that. Um, that was Hank Smith and Lindsey Timms performing Bigfoot. That's from their uh, Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones tribute performances. Yes, um, if you have been enjoying the sounds that you have been hearing throughout this past hour, you should be aware of the fact that these two are going to be performing at the Block Gallery opening, which is happening in downtown Raleigh yep. on Monday. It's Monday this- at 5 p.m. So it's going to be a really, really cool event. seems like it's going to be a very intimate affair. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we've mentioned as well throughout the hour, they're going to be performing in various performance spaces and groups uh, throughout the IBMA next week. Uh, they're going to be doing Thursday night, seems like all night, out at the poorhouse, basically, yeah. with the morning after, the Flectones tribute that you just heard a tune from, and All-Star Jam as well. Um, Friday night, they're going to be performing with Barefoot Manor at the poorhouse as well. So... Lots of chances to see these guys if you've been enjoying what you're hearing. Um, so thanks so much for coming on. Uh, really Thank appreciate it. Thank you for having it. us, man. We really appreciate Thank it. Very much. And That's as awesome. always, if you missed any of this music throughout the hour, uh, you can always tune in next week on our podcast. That's going to be up um, online at wknc.org slash blog. Um, but we are going to be closing out this first hour with a track that was chosen from, or a artist that was chosen from Hank and Tim from another local bluegrass act. Um, it is Linda Dawson and Patty Hopkins. Yep, Patty plays fiddle and sings uh, some for the morning after as well. So, so there's a connection. Yeah, exactly. So we're bringing it all together. It's all come full, full circle. circle. Yep, so this is um, Dark is the Night, Blue is the Day from Linda Dawson and Patty Hopkins, and you are listening to it right here on WKNC 88.1, The Revolution.